This is episode number 75, and on today's edition of Fan Friday, I'm answering a question from Frank. Welcome to the Practical Christian Podcast. My name is Travis Albritton, your friendly neighborhood Bible teacher, and every day we'll dive into the tips, tricks, and hacks that you can implement in your daily life to become a more effective Christian. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let's jump in to your daily dose of Practical Christian Training. Hey guys, welcome back to another Friday, another exciting edition of Fan Friday. That's my that's my movie trailer voice. I need to work on it, I know. But our super fan of the week this week is Columb to the Bow. And they said in Apple Podcasts, in their review of this podcast, said, I really like that every episode of the podcast gives me something that I can easily implement into my life and put into practice. Well, that makes me happy because that's kind of the whole point, right? So... Thank you, Columb to the Bow. You are the super fan of the week. And just to be honest with you guys, I am running out of reviews to plug. I'm running out of opportunities to talk about you guys, the people that are listening to this podcast on a daily basis. And so what I need you to do is if you haven't already, please leave a review in Apple Podcasts or iTunes. It's super easy. It takes like 25 seconds. And I want to continue to give you guys love. I want to continue to highlight you guys and your feedback and how encouraging it is to me. So uh, I'll leave a link in the description in the show notes. You can just click on over, leave a quick review, and uh, because if we run out of reviews, then we can't have any more super fans, you know. And and I don't I don't want that to happen. I know you don't want that to happen either. So help me help you get the love that you really deserve for for staying with me and listening to this podcast on a daily or weekly basis. All right. So click on over and leave a review. I'll I'll, I'll wait. I'll pause here so you can go do that, and then we'll, we'll pick up the episode here in a second. All right, cool. Welcome back. <laughs> so our question this week comes from Frank, and it wasn't really a question. It was more of a, a suggestion of something that could be good to talk about on this podcast. And Frank suggested that, you know, we talk about the sinner's prayer and why it's important to repent and have faith along with it. And I thought that was really uh, a good thing to talk about because it is something, it's, it's a teaching, it's a doctrine that is very common, very pervasive, but not many people know where it comes from. And so what I want to do is dive into the history of this teaching, the history of this practice, and then leave you with a little bit of Bible study homework so that you can develop your own convictions about the sinner's prayer and, by extension, how to become a Christian. And so I'm going to do this as objectively as possible, and you know, because I know you guys come from all different kinds of backgrounds and denominations and, and, and teachings and doctrines, and so what I want to do is just very clearly talk about the history of where the sinner's prayer came from, the common passages that are used to support it, and if it is, you know, actually in line with sound doctrine, all right? So number one, just to define what the sinner's prayer is, it's a practice that says if you pray these special words, your sins will be forgiven and you will go to heaven. That's, if you really boil it down, that's what the sinner's prayer is. Say these magic words and your sins will be forgiven. Now, how long has it been going around? going on. How long has this teaching been around? Well, you'd be surprised to find out that it's only about 200 years old that the sinner's prayer was first conceived in upstate New York in America, which is most definitely not Israel, at a series of tent revivals that these guys these traveling preachers were going around preaching that, you know, people need to repent or they're going to hell. And so and then they they said, "All right, everybody in this tent, pray together and then you won't go to hell." Like, that was the origin 
of the sinner's prayer, which raises the question. So, so if the sinner's prayer is true, if it's correct, if it's the accurate way that you help people get saved, then are we saying that we've been making Christians wrong for almost 2,000 years? If we just figured it out in the early 1800s, what does that say about all the other people that supposedly became Christians or supposedly had their sins forgiven? I guess they were wrong. So that's something to think about. And then what I want to do now is look at the passages, the two passages that are very popular that are used to support this teaching. And as we dissect them, I think what you'll find is they don't exactly fit the narrative, and both of them suffer from the same problem. So the first one that you'll hear very often is in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, which, is, which says, If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Now, if you listen to the earlier episodes in this podcast, or if you've gone through my Amateur Bible Scholar online course that teaches you how to do correct Bible study, then you know the first step is to do exegesis, which is identifying what the original intent was between the person who wrote the letter and the people that were receiving it or reading it. And so if you do exegesis on this passage, you'll recognize that the book of Romans was written to people that had already become Christians. It was written to a church. So in essence, if, if you're using this passage to say, this is how you become a Christian, that'd be like saying, hey, LeBron James, you need to learn to dribble so you can be a basketball player. And LeBron's like, dude, I'm already a basketball player. I, I don't need to, I don't need to, you know, do that in order to become a basketball player. Or I already am. You know, maybe dribbling is a practice I need to continue to work on, but it's not like I'm not a basketball player. Right? So that's that's kind of that's that's kind of what's happening here. And it helps to know that in Rome specifically, that saying Jesus is Lord was as much a political statement as a spiritual one. That, you know, the test of your commitment and your devotion to Rome, to Caesar, was to say Caesar is Lord. Caesar is God. And so by saying Jesus is Lord, you're essentially uh, saying that Caesar is not God. Caesar is not Lord. I'm not pledging my allegiance to Caesar. I'm pledging my allegiance to Jesus. And so that, as a political statement, often carried terrible consequences that if you said Jesus is Lord, the Romans could come and take away all your property. And in extreme cases, in, in times, especially around the Emperor Nero, Christians were brutally murdered by saying Jesus is Lord. And in addition, just to, to further you know, do proper exegesis on this passage, Romans 9 through 11, there is a shift in the tone. All right, And, and every single commentary that you will read about this book about the book of Romans says that Romans chapter 9 through Romans chapter 11 is specifically addressing the Jewish Christians, the Christians that were Jews that then became Christians and and the battle that they faced with their cultural upbringing and now accepting that Jesus is the Messiah versus their Jewish brethren that hadn't become Christians. And so there was a conflict of wanting to go back to the old ways. And so Paul's encouraging them, Jesus is the one that saves you. Jesus is the one that you need to believe in. And that is how you actually become saved. That's how you have a right relationship with God. All right. So, so that is the proper exegetical interpretation 
of Romans chapter 10. The other passage that is commonly used to support the sinner's prayer is in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. And it says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Now, again, to do a proper exegetical study of this passage, you'll notice that this passage in Revelation is a letter from Jesus through John to the Christians in Laodicea, which is like a church full of people that are already Christians, right? And so so Jesus isn't saying, if you want to become a Christian, you need to, you know, open the door and, and, and then I'll come in and eat with you. He's saying, if you want to reconnect with me, it's an invitation to reconnect with Jesus. Because if you go back a little bit, you'll see that these Christians were lukewarm, that they weren't committed to Jesus the way that he wanted them to be. And in fact, in the verse right before this one, in verse 19, Jesus says, those I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent that this whole passage is about repentance. It's about turning to God, turning to Jesus and committing to him as someone who's already decided to make Jesus Lord. All right. So, so again, this is a passage written to people that are already Christians, and that's important to recognize. Now, here's the deal. There is nothing in either of these passages that gives instructions for non-Christians to become Christians. That's important. That's important. And the word pray doesn't even appear in either of these passages. So using these passages as justification for telling someone that all you need to do to become a Christian is say these magic words or say this magic prayer and you'll be saved, you cannot in good conscience use these passages to support that. Now, the third thing that I want you to take away from, you know, understanding where the sinner's prayer came from is that there is not a single example of someone praying Jesus into their heart in the New Testament. It doesn't exist. There is not a single time in the New Testament where someone is told, if you want to follow Jesus, if you want to be saved, if you want your sins to be forgiven, pray this prayer and you'll be forgiven. That does not happen in the New Testament. And so if we want to say that the sinner's prayer is a valid way to help someone become a Christian, knowing that it's not even in the Bible, well, that's a problem. <laughs> that's a big problem. All right. So, so here's your homework. Here's what I want you to do. Read through the book of Acts, because the book of Acts is where we see the church starting to form when we see people start to respond to the gospel for the first time, people that weren't following Jesus, and identify the pattern for how people became Christians. What were they told by people that were already Christians? What did they do? What were the actions that they took to commit their life to God? Study out the book of Acts and see if you can identify a pattern. And I think that as you read along, you'll start to see some common things popping up over and over again, and that will do a much better job of informing us about whether the sinner's prayer is not only effective, but even true in the first place. So Frank, hopefully I did a, a you know relatively good job of talking about the sinner's prayer, and if you have any questions about this or any follow-up conversations you want to have with me, you can either email me directly at hello at unlockyourgifts.org or if you want to start a conversation on the Facebook group, I encourage you to leave a comment in the post for this episode. That is it for today. Make sure to smash that subscribe button to get daily practical tips just like this one. 
leave a review in Apple Podcasts for your chance to get a shout out as a super fan of the week. I really enjoy that we get to do that. So let's keep it going and make sure to head over to the podcast Facebook group to connect with me and to continue this conversation and to help me decide future episode topics. Every day is an opportunity to grow closer to God and make a positive impact on the people around you. Take action with what you've learned and help make the world a little more like heaven. I'm Travis Albritton, and I will talk to you tomorrow.